Is De'Aaron Fox a top five point guard in the NBA? I'll make my case for it and explain why some of the guys that Hoops Hype has ranked above De'Aaron Fox are just plain wrong. It's all right here on Locked on Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked on Kings. Hello and welcome into Locked on Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all off-season long. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports reporter and producer for ABC 10 News. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook partner of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. Today's episode, we are talking about the top point guards in the league. Why is this on my mind? Because hoops hype put out a top 15 point guards ranking. And while I was happy to see De'Aaron Fox work his way into the top 10 and be ranked above some names, including Jamal Murray, James Harden, LaMelo Ball, and Kyrie Irving, there are still some names that are placed above De'Aaron that I disagree with. So I'm going to jump into this list. First off, I'll just read for you uh, this whole Hoops Hypes list. And uh, if you want to share your thoughts on this list, create your own list of top 15, share with me where you think De'Aaron Fox falls on this list, feel free to do so. Hoops Hypes top 15 point guards for the 2023-2024 season are as follows. Number one, already off to a bad start because they have Luka Doncic. It's not that Luka Doncic isn't a top point guard in the NBA, but he is certainly not ranked above number two, who is Steph Curry. I know Steph Curry is older. Steph Curry is the best point guard in the league right now. He's shown no reason to believe he's slowing down at any point. He's actually won. He's capable of winning. He's good as a point guard in addition to just a pure score. Well, I shouldn't say that because Luka Doncic is a good passer. But Luka Doncic has has yet to be able to find a, a team and find a group of teammates that successfully work around him other than that uh, that that flash in the pan deep playoff run that the uh, Dallas Mavericks had a couple of seasons ago. But I'm taking Steph Curry over Luka Doncic every single time, but I'm okay with those two being one and two as long as Steph Curry is number one. Number three is Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Number four, John Morant. Number five, Dame Lillard. Number six, Trey Young. Number seven, Tyrese Halliburton. Eight, De'Aaron Fox. Nine, James, uh, James Harden. Ten, Jamal Murray. 11, LaMelo Ball, 12, Jalen Brunson, 13, Kyrie Irving, 14, Darius Garland, and 15, Drew Holiday. Those are the top 15 point guards, according to Hoops Hype, in the NBA going into uh, this upcoming season. So where do I think De'Aaron Fox falls? Well, before I even say that, I just want to say, like, if, if De'Aaron's moving up, there have to be some guys on this list that are ranked ahead of him that I think don't belong there. And there's truly... Only one name that's ranked ahead of De'Aaron Fox that I just don't understand, period. And it's Trey Young. Like, I understand Trey Young has flash and flair to his game. And you'll notice with this list, a lot of these guys that Hoops Hype has ranked high are a little more in the flash and flair side of things than they are like the really, really good and consistent point guard. Although, of course, they do have uh, elements of that to their game. But clearly, Hoops Hype values guys that make 
big kind of showcasey plays, isolation heavy players, guys that are uh, aggressive attacking the rim and certainly aggressive above the rim. Um, Trey Young, as great as he is as a a shooter and with the ridiculous shots that he can make and as great, as good of a passer as he is, Trey Young is not a better point guard in the NBA than De'Aaron Fox is. De'Aaron Fox is far more efficient, in my opinion. De'Aaron Fox is a million times better defender than Trey Young is. And yes, you have to, of course, take that side into account. De'Aaron Fox, I think, is a significantly better leader for my team than Trey Young. One of the ways that I look at this is if I'm ranking top point guards, I also have to ask, would I rather have them on my team than De'Aaron Fox? Or would I rather start my team with this player over another player? And I don't think anybody can say with a good conscience that you want to start your franchise or that you would choose to have Trey Young on your team over De'Aaron Fox. Now, I'm not saying everybody believes with that statement. I'm sure there are plenty of Atlanta Hawks fans that think I'm crazy for saying that, and that's fine. You can feel what you want to feel. But if De'Aaron Fox is the better player for your team, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. De'Aaron Fox does more for your team. De'Aaron Fox, we saw what he can do uh, in the fourth quarter. De'Aaron Fox doesn't have to have the ball in his hands 24-7 uh, for your team to, to be at its most effective. I couldn't tell you what Trey Young really does off of the ball, it has to be in his hands at all times. Like I'm plus, like look how much better the Sacramento Kings were uh, than the Atlanta Hawks last season. Even though, actually, funny enough, I believe in terms of the head-to-head battle, didn't the Atlanta Hawks might have beaten the Kings twice last season? I honestly uh, don't remember, but that's not a proper indication for choosing one player over another. But I think I think Trey Young being above De'Aaron Fox on this list is is just flat out wrong and plain silly. The other names you can make a case for, and I'll genuinely listen, but allow me to make my case for why I feel De'Aaron Fox is a top five point guard in the NBA. In order to make that case, I have to share with you who my top five are. Actually, I have really my top seven here because I think number six and number seven are really important in this conversation. Number one, I already share with you, is Steph Curry. I'm taking Steph Curry every single time. Doesn't matter how old he is. Steph Curry is the best point guard in the NBA. Period. End of statement. Number two, Luka Doncic. I understand the upside of Luka. Luka is a generational player. He's an unbelievable player. I have questions about if a team can win with Luka Doncic as the number one guy because I don't know what the Dallas Mavericks could do. Maybe a full season of Kyrie and Luka together will work. I have no idea, but... I don't know what player you put around Luka Doncic to succeed. But Luka, as just a pure player, he's magnificent. He's unbelievable. He's an MVP caliber player. So, okay, Luka is number two. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, number three. Shea had a phenomenal season with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Granted, the team still isn't that good, but coming from someone who has watched De'Aaron Fox play his entire career, who only just now got good, I don't think that's always fair to hold against a player. Shea was absolutely deserving of being an all-star. Shea was deserving of being an all-NBA player. Uh, he's he's an awesome player on both sides of the ball, has really emerged as a, uh, a top-caliber player, too. Uh, is capable of playing both on the ball and off the ball effectively for OKC. Plus, I think the Thunder are actually going to be a really good team this year. I know some people might say, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, a point guard. Josh Giddey's on that Oklahoma City Thunder team. If that's 
the way that you're thinking, maybe that knocks Shea down on this list for you just because he's not purely a point guard for the Thunder. But I think he belongs on this list with his point guard abilities. I think he's, and I'm okay having him uh, at number three. Hoop, Hoops Hype and I agree on that. Number four is Dame Lillard. Even with all the stuff going on with Dame right now, Dame time is still unbelievable. He is a, a, a capable and willing passer. He's not horrible on the de- defensive end. I, I don't really know. I, I couldn't point to or think about when, when I was thinking about this. I couldn't like think of, hey, here's a major defensive player, major defensive moment that Dame Lillard has had over the course of his career. I don't, nothing really jumps to mind. And maybe if you have something uh, in mind, you can, you can share that with me. But that being said, even if I would take De'Aaron Fox over Dame in terms of, of defense, Dame, despite being older, like we know who Dame is, we know what Dame can do. Uh, and even though things haven't worked out with him in Portland, when it comes to clutch scoring, when it comes to big moments in the playoffs, when it, whatever it may be like Dame is, is, Really, De'Aaron Fox might be the only person, at least certainly last year, that could rival Dame time in terms of just that fourth quarter clutch scoring and and just being that reliable presence when the game was on the line. But Dame has been doing it for basically his entire career, and he's just such a sensational scorer from all levels of the floor. So I'm okay still with having Dame Lillard ranked above De'Aaron Fox. So if De'Aaron Fox is in my top five, yes, he's number five. He's working his way into the number five spot. So who is he booting out? He's booting out John Morant, but I'm not done there. John Morant isn't just sliding behind De'Aaron Fox. John Morant is also sliding behind Tyrese Halliburton. Now, in this hoops hype ranking, they had Tyrese ranked one spot above De'Aaron Fox. Truthfully, I am 100% okay with Fox and Halliburton being right next to each other. Like, they're going to be compared to each other for the rest of life and the rest of time because of the circumstances of, of playing for a little bit together in Sacramento. What happened? The Tyrese Halliburton trade, both teams being good after that trade. Like Tyrese Halliburton, he's on Team USA for a reason. He's a phenomenal point guard, an amazing passer. I'm taking De'Aaron Fox's defense over Tyrese Halliburton's defense every day of the week. That's not hard to do so uh, at all. I'm taking De- uh, De'Aaron Fox as a scoring option over Tyrese Halliburton every day of the week, but Tyrese Halliburton is more of a pure point guard in terms of a passer and playmaker than De'Aaron Fox is, and I can admit that wholeheartedly without besmirching any uh, besmirching De'Aaron Fox in any way. De'Aaron Fox is more of a scoring attacking point guard than Tyrese Halliburton is. That's why De'Aaron Fox works so well with a, a DeMontis Sabonis, and Tyrese Halliburton works would work better with just more scores around him that he can distribute to, even though he's more than capable of scoring uh, and being a leading scorer himself when he has to. And he did that for the Indiana Pacers and the Indiana Pacers. I, I go back and forth with that team because I don't think when they were hot, that was a fluke. I know they dealt with injuries, including an injury to Tyrese Halliburton. I don't think the Pacers are far away from being a good team uh, at all. So I think Tyrese absolutely deserves to be in the conversation with De'Aaron Fox. But De'Aaron Fox, if there's an edge, if one guy is slightly over the other, it's De'Aaron Fox based off of the results that he showed last year, based off of the, uh, like all the list, uh, the the reasons that I just listed more of a go-to scorer in a scoring league, uh, more of a clutch player, someone who um, is also a better defender. Like I'm, I'm taking De'Aaron Fox. I'm putting De'Aaron Fox over Tyrese Halliburton. Without really hesitation, I'm giving him the edge over Halliburton. But again, I'm okay with Halley being right next to him. I, I, In fact, I expect that really for the majority of their careers. And I think it, it, we might eventually get 
a fun little Kings Pacers rivalry when both these teams are good. And it's only a matter of time that both these teams are good. And Fox and Halliburton are going to be at the center of that as kind of friendly rivals. There's no bad blood between the two of them as much as some people for some reason want to perceive them to be. So Fox is five for me on my list. Tyrese Halliburton is six. Now, why do I have Fox and Halliburton over John Morant? Truth be told, I'm taking both of them over John Morant every day of the week. And that doesn't just have to do with all the off-court issues of John Morant. But of course, you have to take that into account. This list is for the 2023-2024 season, which John Morant is not going to play or is going to miss a big chunk of time because he's an idiot that that's not fair because he's made some bad decisions by multiple, by, by flashing a gun on social media multiple times and has put himself in a bad position. I apologize for calling John Moran an idiot. That's not fair. I don't know what he's going through necessarily. He's made some, certainly some dumb decisions and is at risk of completely throwing his career away. But beyond that, like John Moran is more flashy than Fox and Halliburton for sure. And I understood Jaw being ranked above both of them in the past because of the success the Memphis Grizzlies have had. But I, I would argue too that the Memphis Grizzlies have had a, a decent amount of success without him as well as with him. Now, the Grizzlies are absolutely better with John Morant on the floor versus John Morant off the floor. But I think like, like they've proven in years past with Morant's issues with staying on the floor, both injury-related and off-court antics-related and how they've been able to kind of overcome and survive that. I think people are finally starting to give the other players on that roster, um, like especially Jaron Jackson Jr., even uh, like Steven Adams to some extent, like starting to recognize and give them the credit they deserve for the success that Jaw has had to this point in his career. Like I'm taking, again, De'Aaron Fox's defense over John. If you look at Fox's shooting numbers, while his player efficiency rating is just slightly below Jaw's, he's a more effective shooter on all th- or, or scorer on all three levels. Better shooting from three-point range better shooting from the field, more efficient finishing around the rim, and he's a better free throw shooter. Like, I know John Morant has probably the ball in his hands a little bit more, slightly more than De'Aaron Fox does. And again, John Morant is unbelievable when it comes to playing above the rim. He's explosive. He's exciting. Like, I understand why people love John Morant so much, just purely as a basketball player, because every time... He puts the ball on the floor and gets that look in his eyes. You sit on the uh, on, on the edge of your seat. But I think De'Aaron Fox has also reached that status too. And a lot of people have come around to recognizing that and seeing that after watching him play as well as he did in the NBA playoffs against the Golden State Warriors. So I'm taking De'Aaron Fox over John Morant pretty easily. And I'm also taking Tyrese Halliburton above John Morant. A lot of that has to do, of course, with what's happening off the floor. I want two guys that I know are going to stay out of trouble and are going to actually be available for my team and are not going to put themselves and their friends and their groupies and their wannabe gangster lifestyle uh, above uh, the team, number one. But also, number two, I think both are capable of being more reliable players for my team to help my team win. So I have no issue taking Fox and uh, and Hallie over John Morant. Am I crazy with that? Do you agree with me having De'Aaron Fox in my top five? Let me know. You can reach me on Twitter at MattGeorgeSack. Email me MattGeorgeSports.gmail.com. And I know those of you who are watching on YouTube, you're already getting uh, uh, loose in the YouTube comment section down below. And don't worry, I got more for you. Coming up in just a second, I'm going to give you my Pacific Division power rankings the sacramento kings the reigning pacific division uh champions however most people probably don't even have them in the top three of that division going into next season we'll talk about that plus 
if there was a relocation uh, or an expansion rather draft and the Kings can only protect eight players from the expansion draft, who would those eight players be? We're going to discuss all that still to come on today's show. After I tell you more about our great sponsor of the show today, I'm talking, of course, about FanDuel. Football season is about to kick off. Hallelujah. If nothing else, football just gets us through the dead time and to when basketball season begins in October. Well, FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all football season long because right now when you bet on Super Bowl's winner, you can get bonus bets Every time that team that you select to win wins over the course of the regular season. So let's say like so many of you are going to do, and rightfully so, you pick the San Francisco 49ers to win the Super Bowl. I think they have one hell of a chance. I got the opportunity to uh, cover 49ers training camp recently. They look damn good. Nick Bosa is, is going to come back. It's only a matter of time. Like that defense is phenomenal. Uh, offense, they, they've got guys that are really stepping up. Of course, they have George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk from uh, from Sierra College. Shout out Sierra College here in the, the Sacramento area. Uh, Brandon Ayuk is, is emerging as really the top wide receiver on that team. Uh, of course, Christian McCaffrey in the backfield like that. San Francisco 49ers team is stacked. And if you were to pick them to win the Super Bowl every time the Niners win over the course of the regular season, which newsflash is going to be a lot, you will get bonus bets every time that they do win. And you can use those bonus bets on spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sportsbook. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Again, FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. So a week or two ago... We went through the early preseason power rankings, and the Sacramento Kings were ranked 12th overall, but they were ranked 7th in the Western Conference with all four other Pacific Division teams ranked ahead of them, which I think is just flat-out disrespectful considering the Sacramento Kings uh, won the Pacific Division just last season. I understand that the Kings still need to prove it to some extent, that some people want to see if this Kings team was truly a flash in the pan uh, or if they can continue to be as good as they were, maybe even build upon that while the rest of the Western Conference, while the rest of the Pacific Division is in theory going to be getting better. So I think it's silly for the Sacramento Kings to be ranked last in terms of preseason or, or power rankings in the Pacific Division. I don't think they're last. It was hard to make a case, though, for them being top three, but I managed to find a way to put them top three. So here are my Pacific Division power rankings. Number one, Phoenix Suns. Not a shock at all. That team is literally built to win a championship and nothing else. Anything less is a, a disappointment from that team. With how stacked that team is, they are built to win a championship today. That team is absolutely the number one team in the Western Conference. They do have some things to prove. They have to prove that they can stay healthy. They have to prove that they have even a little bit of depth that can help them get through the course of the 82-game season. But I also don't think the, the Phoenix Suns necessarily care about finishing top in uh, in uh, seeding in the Pacific Division. Or in like if the Phoenix Suns finish top two or top three in the Pacific Division and finish as the third or fourth seed, so be it. Like they're they're fine with that because once they get into the playoffs, assuming they get into the playoffs healthy, that's where they really thrive. And we see teams also maybe like the Los Angeles Lakers that kind of feel that way. The Lakers might not be that great of a regular season team. I expect them to be significantly better this upcoming season than they were last season. But once they get to the playoffs, maybe the Golden State Warriors are the same thing too. Once that team gets to the playoffs, that's where they really are expected to, to come alive and, and get hot at the right time. So 
The Phoenix Suns absolutely are at the top of the power rankings of the Pacific Division. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Number two, Golden State Warriors. I can't put the Warriors over the or the Kings over the Warriors, considering the Warriors just beat the Kings in the playoffs. The Warriors still have Steph Curry. No reason to believe that he's slowing down anytime soon, despite the fact that he's getting older. He says that he's in his prime, and while age-wise I disagree, it's hard to disagree with him based off of just how damn good he is and continues to play, and he just put a 50 ball. It was 50 points, wasn't it, on the Kings' head uh, in, in Game 5 or Game 7 uh, of the, uh, the NBA playoffs. So Steph Curry is phenomenal even though I have major questions about the Golden State Warriors and CP3 working together. They still have the majority of that core there. They still have some good depth, uh, including Jonathan Kaminga coming off the bench. So I'm okay with the Golden State Warriors being number two. So I have the Sacramento Kings as number three in my Pacific Division power rankings. I have them above the Los Angeles Lakers simply because I do think that the Kings are more reliable. Now, the Lakers have the better players. I can say that, and it, it it sucks to say, but it's true, right? LeBron James, Anthony Davis, when healthy, are better than the Sacramento Kings players, are better than De'Aaron Fox and Devonta Sabonis. No, duh. They're Hall of Famers. And the, and the, the Los Angeles Lakers have done a phenomenal job, as much as I hate to say it. They have done a phenomenal job since the trade deadline of bolstering their bench, bolstering their depth. I mean, managing to bring back... Managing to bring back uh, a majority of their players uh, bringing in Gabe Vincent. Like this is a good team. The Los Angeles Lakers are a good team. However, they are so unbelievably relying on their stars at the top staying healthy. Now they're built to withstand little bumps and bruises to Anthony Davis and, and uh, uh, LeBron James more now than they were in the past. Anthony Davis just got paid rightfully so even with the browse injury issues like when he's healthy he is a absolute top player in the league i think matchup wise i think the sacramento kings do give the los angeles lakers a lot of problems number one so head to head i actually like the kings over the lakers in their matchups despite the lakers having the better players but also over the course of a regular season over the course of a season and playoffs period there is a significantly higher injury risk to the lakers than there are to the kings and I think while the Kings absolutely would fall apart to a catastrophic injury to Fox or Sabonis, I'm not saying that they wouldn't, catastrophic injuries are far more likely on the Lakers side, especially to a guy in Anthony Davis who has not been known for being available really much at all over the course of his Lakers tenure and for the majority of his career. Like, there, if, if, if you were to tell me between the Sacramento Kings and Los Angeles Lakers, one of those teams is going to deal with a big injury to one of their top guys. I think my first reaction and most people's first reactions would be, uh oh, what happened to Anthony Davis? Not again. Like that's that's just the the way of the situation. So the Kings have a slight edge, plus they were Pacific Division champs, and I don't like the Lakers. So that helps to influence my decision a little bit. <laughs> I have the Kings over the Lakers at number three and four. And then the Los Angeles Clippers are number five. Yeah, they have Kawhi. Yeah, they have Paul George. Yeah, they have Russell Westbrook. They also have a lot of question marks. They have load management issues, and that doesn't work. They have injury issues galore over there. Availability is the best ability, and sometimes they're just flat out not available. There are major question marks with that team. They're inconsistent at best, plus the Kings dominate that head-to-head -head matchup too and have for the last couple of seasons. 
until they prove otherwise, the LA Clippers are at the bottom of the, the the division. But damn how stacked this division is, right? It was the best division in basketball last year. It's going to be even better this year. I don't necessarily think the Kings are going to win the division again, although I know they're capable of doing so. The Pacific is nuts. Nuts. And I'm glad that, I'm, I mean, I'm not glad that the Sacramento Kings are in the division because of how difficult it is, but... If it's the best division in basketball, I hope the Sacramento Kings are showcased as much as those other teams are. And I'm going to talk about in a future episode of Locked on Kings, especially when we get around to schedule release time, the Sacramento Kings better have a crap ton more national TV games than they had last year. Because in this specific division, if we're ranking most fun teams to watch, the Kings are absolutely at the top of that list. If there were talking about most fun teams to watch in the NBA, the Kings are absolutely at the top of that list. That's a conversation for another time. If there was an expansion draft tomorrow, let's say Seattle got a basketball team back. Hooray. Or there's a team now in Las Vegas. Hooray. If you don't know how an expansion draft works, essentially once a new team is added, every single team can protect eight players. Every player not protected goes into a pool which that expansion team drafts their team from that pool. So what are who are the eight players that you would protect if you were the Sacramento Kings in an expansion draft? And I think at the very end of this, there might be a little bit of controversy for some people, and I'm stealing this topic from social media because I saw people discussing this on social media today. I mean, the starting five is easy. You're protecting all five of the starting five. Yes, that includes Harrison Barnes. You just signed him to a new contract. Harrison Barnes would be selected first or second overall in an expansion draft if he ever made it through. So, yeah, you're protecting Harrison Barnes and you're starting five. Then, which three guys off the bench are you protecting? Well, Malik Monk is an absolute no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Like, Malik is your sixth man of the year. We know how important Malik is, even though he has only one year left uh, on his contract, on his deal. Malik is looked at, in my opinion, as a long-term piece to this Kings core. Plus, of course, his connections with De'Aaron Fox into this team. Like, Malik is absolutely, you're protecting Malik without hesitation. So there's six. So now you have two more spots left. And in reality, you have three guys that you could comfortably give it to. Those three guys are Davion Mitchell, Sasha Vezinkov, and Trey Lyles. Well, I may have just kind of given away my order there uh, on accident, but Davion Mitchell is absolutely in there for me. I know there are questions about his game on the offensive side, but with the Kings defensive issues and how good Davion Mitchell is capable of being as a defender. Plus he's just going into his third season in the NBA. Like he still has, despite being an older prospect, he has more, I think to show and he can still grow and still develop. So I'm taking Davion Mitchell without hesitation in this expansion draft. Sasha Vezinkov or Trey Lyles. Now this might sound contradictory to some of the things that I was saying earlier on in the off season, but I said early in the offseason that, that Trey Lyles, I would pick over Sasha Vezinkov for the Sacramento Kings team this offseason if I had to, although I thought that conversation was silly. You bring both in because I saw some people talking about if the Kings bring Sasha back, why would you bring Trey Lyles? Don't they necessarily or don't they provide the same thing or do the same thing? And I always thought that was silly because Trey Lyles has proven that he can do exactly what you need from your role here in Sacramento. He is perfect for his role here in Sacktown. Sasha Vezinkov hasn't played a single second of NBA basketball yet, but is a freaking EuroLeague MVP for a reason. So you want both of them on your team. In this case, you can only choose one of them. So I'm, I'm choosing Sasha Vezenkov. I don't know if Vezenkov is going to right away be as good of a fit for the Kings as Trey Lyles is. But I also don't think, I, I also believe that Sasha Vezenkov's upside 
is higher than Trey Lyles. And you have to take that into account as well. I think Trey is going to be maybe slightly a better player for the Kings right away. Sasha is still going to be a good fit for the Kings right away. And over the course of his contract, I think the money that they they paid Sasha compared to the money that they're, they're paying Trey Lyles reflects also uh, the value of the players. I think just overall, Sasha has a higher upside and the immediate drop-off between Trey Lyles and Sasha Vezinkov isn't steep enough to, to purely choose Trey over Sasha. That's a difficult choice for me because you know how much I love Trey Lyles. You know how much I think Trey is perfect for the Sacramento Kings and I want him here in Sacramento, but I'm absolutely taking Sasha over Trey. Uh, and I'm, I also believe that it, out of all three of those players, if any player is to make it through the expansion draft without being selected, Trey is the most likely. Although I still think wh whichever team expanded to, I think they'd be smart enough to recognize Trey's value and scoop him up as at even a starting four, starting five for your first or your inaugural season uh, in the NBA. Your team might not be that great, but typically expansion uh, draft teams aren't that great anyway. But Trey is capable of at least holding that spot down for you. So um, I saw somebody, I think it was Professor Oak on Twitter, say that he's choosing both Vezinkov and Lyles over Davion Mitchell, which I think is absurd, like just absurd. But I, you know, it's okay. Uh, I, I Some people I know are really, really high on the offensive side of what Sasha and Trey provide. And they just have too many questions about the offense of Davion Mitchell. I understand that to some extent, but Davion is so good as a defender and this Kings team needs that desperately. So yeah, I'm taking, I'm taking Davion Mitchell over those two guys uh, without hesitation, but who are you taking? Which five or eight players are you protecting in a Kings expansion draft? They might be the exact same eight as me. Tell me why, what does your Pacific division power rankings look like? And of course, is De'Aaron Fox a top five point guard in the NBA in your mind? And if so, who else is in that top five? Who is he in there above? Share it all with me. This is a episode for your takes, your thoughts. It's a perfect off-season rankings and topic episode. So again, get loose in the comment section down below if you're watching on YouTube. You can hit me up on Twitter at MattGeorgeSack, and you can email me at any time, MattGeorgeSports at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Locked on Kings podcast. You know how much I appreciate you. Can't wait to have you join me on the next episode of this podcast. Until then, my name is Matt George. You have been listening to Locked on Kings, part of the Locked on Podcast Network.